Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Joel, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Hey, thanks for having me. We we were talking before we started recording that I'm tired. And so we're gonna this is gonna be a great interview because the ones where I'm tired are always I'm like, God is doing something. <laughs> The world is run by tired people, I've been told. Amen to that. I'm down <laughs> for that. That sounds right. So your book, Connecting the Dots, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah so it's a book about a, f- a few years ago, my wife and I said yes to this crazy thing we thought God was telling us to do as the worst experience of our life. I tell a story about a guy that walked out his front door and he, he looked down and saw this little snail and he picked it up, took a look at it and then pitched it across the yard, went on with his day. Well, about a year later, that same guy hears a knock at his door and he opens it. There's nobody there. But he looks down and the snail looks up at him and goes, what was that all about? I felt like I was that snail during that year. Like it took me a year to crawl back to where we had started from before I obeyed God. And so I talk about that. I like those seasons of life where we all look back and go, what was that all about in the grand scheme? We kind of want to write it out of our resume, maybe. Right. That year, two years, five years where you go. That seemed like a complete waste of time. And I really thought I was following God, but it just seemed like a waste. And I've seen over and over again that more often than not, the the seasons that feel like the biggest waste, the biggest setback were actually the setup for what was ahead, Mm -hmm. but you don't see it until you look backwards. So my goal with the book is to help people be able to look backwards. It's a counseling tool I used in my coaching practice to look back and go, oh my gosh, God was leading me the whole time. Yeah. But I didn't see it, didn't understand it at the time. Well, and it can be something where like I've had those seasons that just felt pointless, but nothing was really happening. Like it was just kind of Mm -hmm. filler, like a filler year. Yeah. And then there's the seasons where you're like, that was terrible. Everything was awful. And again, like, what are you doing? And the, the reality that God can use both of those and everything that's in between. Exactly. And that's where, you know, I always used to think it was ridiculous when Paul said, we rejoice in our suffering for we know that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character and character produces hope. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just unrealistic. But the longer I live, the more I go, all right, somewhere in the middle of this suffering, there's hope that there's, this is preparation for something. That's one of the things I ask people. I'm like, what, what if everything that's happened to you has prepared you for your greatest days? Yeah. And I'm just convinced God wastes nothing. He doesn't yeah. waste anything. 
And crazy thing, he's so cool. He doesn't even waste our mistakes. My mentor used to tell me, he was pretty blunt. He'd be like, Joel, God has already calculated for your stupidity in the plan. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he's that good. He's yes. that good. He is that sovereign that you can quote unquote, mess it up and not actually mess it up. Yeah. In the grand scheme. Yeah. You can make your life a lot harder. Right. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So your family takes over a ministry in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that's the story, right? So we take over a ministry in Mexico and it was absolutely horrible. It was a it was a it was a region of Mexico basically overtaken by drug cartels and we lived right in the hub of the ghetto. The lady next to us, the little grandma next to us sold drugs. The guy next to her, everybody was pretty certain had killed two girls and left their body on the basketball court. The guy across from us, a guy that I ended up kicking off he had shot somebody, fled to the U.S., got arrested in the U.S., got deported, and somehow somebody had paid somebody off, and he was just wandering free. So huh. it was a great neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> our house got broken into. I was, you know, the corrupt cops were constantly harassing us. And as we left, and then it, the crazy thing is, after after just a year there, uh, the ministry board in the U.S. decided it was time to close the ministry. So the this successful ministry got closed on my watch, and I, I was just, it was just. Everything I don't want on my resume right. was, was experienced that year. And on top of it is just a bunch of a year of fear and anger and frustration. And there wasn't a massive revival. Yeah. Nobody came to Christ that I know of. Yeah. In fact, I wonder if some people ran from Christ after watching me, but I don't know. It was a rough year. Do you feel like you look back at it and say like, maybe that, and this is a question I ask myself, like maybe that wasn't for me. Like- do you think we go through things in life that actually were like God moving in other people's lives and like, yeah, he can use it in our life? Absolutely. Like I look back on things and I'm like, oh, that was for them. Like I was just a part of it. <laughs> yes. Well, so that was my initial take is I'm like, okay, there were two kids that we really got to invest in and I really saw them take off. They're doing outstanding now. But as I, the, the further down the road I get, the more I realize that actually was for me. So okay. this crazy thing, one of the things at the property that we lived on was it was as a retreat center mm-hmm. and there, we were right on the ocean and people are like, wow, that's amazing. You're on the beach in Mexico. I'm like, <laughs> it was like a cesspool in paradise is how we described it. Yeah. Like it was beautiful, but all around there's just all this wickedness. And one of the challenges, if you've ever lived on the ocean, everything rots all the time. So, I mean, every day I'm like, what's going to break today? Is it a water pump? Is it a septic pump? Is it a, a light bulb? One, one day we, we heard this crashing sound and a coconuts had fallen on our roof and broken our roof. Right. And then these tiles. So I'm like, it's everything. Like, just imagine. Yeah. So I had to learn how to fix all this stuff. And after that point, I had never fixed anything in my life. I'd kind of like poke at it and, you know, out of my, it's out of my league. Yeah. I had to learn how to fix everything out there. And the crazy thing is now 15 years later, I am actually building a retreat center by hand out here in Texas. And I would have been so in intimidate. I wouldn't have even taken it on 15 years ago. But as I learned to do stuff, I'm like, Hey, the people that do this stuff, they're no smarter than me. They've just taken the time to learn how to do it. Right. And so I'm doing it now. And, and, you know, somebody looked the other day, like you, you did all this. I'm like, yeah, it's not rocket science. It just takes time and and a little bit of knowledge. And I would never have had the courage or maybe the stupidity. I don't know what it is. The hubris to take it on 15 years ago had not got God not prepared me with that really tangible skill back right. then. And it's a, that's a small thing, but there's even bigger spiritual things I learned through it too. But that, it's just little things like that. You got to believe God's always knows what's ahead in your future. And he's like, I'm going to prepare you right now for that. Yeah. 
and then he wastes he wastes nothing. My best friend has a calligraphy Etsy shop, and mm-hmm. the year 2020, she did these God wastes nothing ornaments, and they went super viral. She was like working like a crazy person because she does them all by hand. But it was so incredible, kind of being on the back side of that story, like watching it happen, that you can have that vision for your life, that God really does waste nothing. And then you see thousands of people buying this or like very tangible ornament because that truth is true in their lives as well. And so it like, if you zoom out, yeah, God wastes nothing in your life. And then he wastes nothing in anybody's life. Absolutely. That's insane. Like that he's that good and that capable. Yeah. I mean, that that was one of the biggest compliments I got on this book is the first editor that read it. She wrote back and she goes, I read a lot of books. She said, but I felt pastored by this book. And I was like, how funny, what a great word. Because one of the themes of that, this book comes from Psalm 23 and Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And that word path is this Hebrew word, my goal, that means paths made of circles. You go, what does that mean? And it's, it's this general idea that like a shepherd that leads sheep gently up a hill, he doesn't take them straight up the steepest way, kind of takes them around the hill, circular path. And it feels like you're making circles, but each time you're going up a little bit higher and he's so gentle in how he leads us. Sometimes we don't even realize he's leading us. And the cool thing is the whole flock of us, he's leading us. Right. But it looks different to each one of us, how he's leading all of us up the hill. And it's really, I mean, it's just amazing. You know, you get to the top of the hill and you go, wow, look how far we've come. But it was a slow journey. Yeah. So y'all get home. You leave. The the ministry closes. I get that. That would be that would sting. Probably. You come home. How was your transition? Yeah. So what actually happened is we knew the ministry was going to be closing. And I was like, this is going to be awkward. I'm a fully funded missionary with no place to mission. Mm. So. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I called my dad. I was like, dad, we told all these people we felt called to Mexico. And now Mexico is closed. And he's like. He goes, well, what do you want to do next? I'm like, well, it doesn't matter what I want to do. It's, you know, right. what does God want me to do? And he's like, well, sometimes he's like, sometimes God's will is whatever. I, he's like, I think sometimes he gives you very specific calling. And other times he just says, hey, what do you feel called to? And I was like, well, honestly, I've always been interested in South America. And he, he runs a missions agency. So he said, well, there's a guy in Peru that wants to start a cafe and, and a church. You want to do that? And I was like, well, why not? So like, we did a one Skype call and my wife and I moved sight unseen to Cusco, Peru to start a cafe and a church down there. And so that was the kind of the weird thing. We ended up in the Andes Mountains. We went yeah. down to go, to go to the beach, but we ended up going further south and ended up at 11,000 feet in the Andes Mountains, starting a cafe in Peru. So again, just seems what seems like wandering, it was actually all, all really preparation. I even look back right. at that season now because one of the things we started there was a church. And now I'm a teaching pastor at a church. Right. You're stateside, right? Yep, we're we're okay. in the US. Yep. So I run okay. all my outdoor adventures now. We base out of the US and we just go out and do our trips. So So you go home, Mexico. That's terrible. Yeah. How was Peru? Oh, it was well, first of all, it's just amazing when nobody's threatening your life. That's just right? a real peaceful like, experience. That just seems <laughs> <laughs> Oh, every day I'd be like, nobody's trying to kill me. Everything is awesome. Everything's amazing. It felt surreal. You know, I think the only thing I regret, this is what somebody asked me the other day. Uh, they said, what's the advice you'd give your 20 or 20 year old self? And I wish I would have chilled out and enjoyed things a little more. But, you know, after you have a traumatic year like that, you want to make up for lost time. Yeah. And I just remember had this frantic feeling. I'm like, 
we were supposed to be these missionaries down in, in Mexico and we didn't get anything done. Now we got to do something here. So I felt this huge weight on me. And man, I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And yeah, we got a lot, stuff, a lot of stuff done in a short amount of time. But I think it would have been a lot less stressful if I would have just enjoyed being yeah. there. I enjoyed not having any threat in my life, <laughs> but I wish I would have just enjoyed the journey a little bit more of kind of learning to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I would have just chilled out a little bit. But it was a great experience. We opened yeah. the cafe. We had people from all over the world coming. We were right next to Machu Picchu. So people from all over the world are coming yeah. through Cusco, meeting unique people. People, it's, It was just so fun. We had a church with 20 different countries represented. We met in our cafe. Super fun. So it's interesting. I feel like there's a common thread throughout the story of like, your dad is asking, what do you want to do? And you're like, no, 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 that's not what matters. And then you get to Peru and you're like, let's go as hard as we can. And you don't enjoy the actual experience. Looking back, do you think that would have just looked like slowing down a little bit or was there more to it? Yeah. Honestly, my last book was called Love Slows Down. Mm. And that's been a theme of my life. I'm just a driver. You know, I'm a type A. I push, 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 push. And every time like stuff gets done. Right. But sometimes I would look back and I'm like, man, that could have been a lot less stressful if I'd have just chilled out. And a lot of it is just so much happens. So much you learn is just you got to trust God's timing. You can push all you want. And then my mentor, the one that says that God's already kind of my stupidity, he also says this. He's like, you just got to get out of God's way sometimes. Let him do his thing. And you stay busy. My dad always says that. He says, you wait like a waiter. You don't sit around waiting, doing nothing. You wait right. and just do what's in front of you. Right. And then when the time comes, God breathes in your direction. One touch of his favor changes everything. Yep. But in the meantime, you've been fighting and struggling and angry and, and, and then it happens. And you're like, it happened, but it was all in God's timing. And you just, man, I wish I would have relaxed a little bit more and trusted him. Well, and I think when you do relax and when you do trust God and when you slow down and chill out, it becomes easier to connect the dots. Absolutely. Yes, that is dead on. Like when you're stressed, you 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 get narrow focus. You exactly. get that tunnel vision. You're like, it has to be this way. Yep. Yep. And you're like, you miss the big picture of what God's doing. Yeah. So for example, my husband left corporate America almost a year ago and he started his own business and he is a lot like you. He is a goer pusher. I had to like physically restrain him for the last six months because like you have been killing yourself for 20 years in this job. Mm -hmm. God has given us this opportunity for you to take a break and take a breath. He has like blessed my ministry. Let's enjoy that. He started a new business last week, has already booked like multiple clients. And he's like, so disappointed. I'm like, I physically cannot with you because like that push go drive has to be the best of the best. Yeah. Like not in a braggadocious way, but like you've made this week more than you made killing yourself in corporate America and you've worked two jobs. Mm. Let's focus on that versus like your calendar isn't full. And that is the gift of connecting the dots. And I'm not saying that I do that perfectly because I put myself in his shoes when it's about me. I think we all do it about ourselves. It's easier to connect somebody else's dot yeah. than your own. Look, I work in social media, so I am not judging. But if the first thing you do when you wake up is look at your phone, I have a better idea. 
Instead of checking social media, open the Abide app and go through one of their daily meditations. They're based on biblical scriptures, and these audio meditations will center you and draw you closer to Christ. I also do them through the day when I feel hurried or stressed. It's super easy and effective. And for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off of a premium Abide subscription when you text the word REAL, R-E-A-L, to 22433. The meditations start at about two minutes long. I usually go for the long ones right when I wake up. Get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by texting R-E-A-L, REAL, to 22433. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. So support this show and get your 25% off by texting R-E-A-L, REAL, to 22433. I know one of the things you talk about in the book is like discontentment and like holy discontentment and then not holy discontentment. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So there's a verse where Paul says, he says, if we're out of our minds, it's because Christ's love compels us. If we're in our right mind, it's because Christ's love compels us. You go, what does that mean? Because if you look in the New International Version, it's really weird. It actually says his love constrains us. You're like, hmm. Well, which one is it, Paul? Like, that's like total opposite. So did we have a translation error there? But it's this weird word, suneko, and it means he comes and wraps his hands around us, which we love. He wraps his love around us, and then he squeezes us like a <laughs> tube of toothpaste to get us where we need to go. And you're like, whoa, that's why you have this feeling within you. I mean, I've talked to people as a coach, right? Uh, I do a leadership coaching. I've talked to guys at the top of their game. You look at them, and they're like, they've arrived. Yeah. I mean, they are, they've arrived, but you talk to them and they go, I know there's more in me than this. Like there's parts of me that aren't being tapped and I want to do that. But then I've also talked to guys that are like rock bottom drugs, drug addicts. And every time they shoot up or snort up, they go, I know I'm better than this, but there's so much pain, you know, they're trying to cover. Yeah. When Christ's love comes inside of you, he begins to push you to become all that he knows you can be. And I think that's where that feeling of, I know there's more in me than this. Yeah. I think that's a holy discontentment. And it doesn't mean we're not happy with the way things are. You know, people say that all the time. They're like, you know, I love my life. I love my family. I've got a great wife, got a great job. I'm making good money, but I still know there's parts of me that aren't being tapped, that aren't being used to their fullest potential. Mm -hmm. That right there, I believe is a gift from God. And it, it's not a discontentment unto, unto like just frustration unless you let it be. But it's a recognition that God has put so much in you, you don't even realize the full extent. The, there's no upper limits to what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived what God has in store for those who put their trust in him. That holy discontentment is a gift that God, he's saying, I love you too much to let you stay below your potential. Amen. And he begins to push you towards it. That's what I, I call holy discontent. You know, I'm not the first to call it holy discontentment. Yeah. But I see that in Paul when he says, God's love compels us forward. Right. But I think it is, you made that delineation of like, it's not being frustrated. It's not being like, I think a lot of, for a lot of people, it turns inward. It turns into, I'm not doing enough. Mm. I am not enough, et cetera, et cetera. When they're doing good work and God is pleased with them, yes. he, they're doing the things he put in front of them. I feel like there's like a, like a hair separates the two of holy discontentment being, I know there's more but I am happy where I am and I'm going to do the next right thing in front of me. And like the 
uh, like, uh, there's more. I'm better than this. I can do more. Those two things like seem like they intermingle. How do you delineate between the two? Man, I think that's a constantly moving target. Yeah. I think you have to constantly evaluate. I'll never forget when I started my own business. It was right when we found out my, my daughter, Elise, was going to be born. And I started hustling. And man, we started killing it. I mean, financially, we were killing it. And I'll never forget. It was one Monday morning. We're walking around this park. It's Monday morning. You know, everybody's at work. We got the whole park to ourselves. We're pushing my daughter. And I'm like, isn't life amazing and great? Like, things are going so well. And she kind of paused and she's like, well, for you. And I was like, whoa, sweetheart, what do you mean? And she goes, I feel completely alone. Uh. Like, what do you mean? And I, I almost got, I was mad. I was like, how dare you feel alone? I'm working my tail off so that right. you have the freedom to do this. But I realized it's so easy to, God will give you something and then you'll take it up and you'll start pushing even further maybe. And you start to, I, I talk about boundaries as being prioritized love. Yeah. You just have to constantly keep an eye on it because it's so easy to start pouring your heart into something God gave you, but then lose track of the important other things in your life that are really the most important, like your family and your kids. And, and I even believe there's a priority there. I think our spouse comes first and then our kids, right? So it's yeah. God, your spouse and your kids. And it, you have to just constantly keep track of it because that drive within us, especially us type A types, my wife, she's gifted with... She's just really content, pretty, like she's okay yeah. with just chilling. She's an Enneagram seven, if that means anything to you. Yes, it does. <laughs> and she's always like, just chill, you know, but yeah. that drive, it's, we have to constantly evaluate it because what's really great can immediately turn into something else. Not so great. If we're yeah. not constantly staying vigilant to what's my real motivation here. Yeah. Are you a three? I'm an eight. Oh, me too. Yep. And you had to be a three or an eight. Like there's. Those are the only two choices. The, either of those bulldozers, right? <laughs> exactly. And I have a really strong seven wing. So it's funny because I am the more content of the two of us because my husband's a one. So. Oh, wow. So nothing's good enough ever. It's always got to be just perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about fear a little bit because I think fear impacts both. It impacts our ability to be obedient in the things God calls us to. And I think it can cause an inability to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. like if you're so almost like brainwashed by fear, I've had this inability to look back mm -hmm. at what God has done because it almost like creates fear of what he's going to do. Like looking back at something like your move to Mexico and how terrible that was. Was there any part of you that was like, what if he does it again? Like, what if oh, we have yeah. to do that so, again? All right. Here's a funny thing. So in this book, I lay out this simple pattern. It's like, there's, I think there's nine stages in every season of life that we go through. And so there's a stage of like the challenges and then you emerge from the challenges and you have like a little rest time and then a new challenge starts. And I remember calling my friend, uh, my best friend from high school. And I said, man, the only thing about this is I think I'm in a, a time of like uh, what I call the, the resolution time right now. And I was like, but that means something bad's about to happen again. Exactly. A turning point's about to happen because a turning point happens and you're like, ah, and which is where I think Jesus said, you got to live in day tight compartments. He's like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. It's really, especially we think similar for both Enneagram mates where I was like, disaster is looming. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> I'm like, oh no, something's going to happen. And what's crazy is something did happen last year. I, I found out I had melanoma mm. and it was devastating. And I was, I mean, I, when you find out there's something in your body that can kill you. It jolts everything. And 
But, but the wild thing is that turning point did happen and it was a major shift in the way I see the world. But there's this grace that's there for you when you need it. And it's really cool how he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yep. And that's where it ties in with perfectly what Jesus says. He's like, basically Jesus says, when you get to tomorrow and the, the struggle comes for tomorrow, you'll have what you need. You think about the children of Israel while they were doing their circles in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> they were having their own little circle pattern of, oh, here we are again. Every day he said, I'm going to give you just enough for today. If you collect more, it's going to rot. Like just what you need for today, I'm going to give you the grace you need. And so that's what I have to remind myself constantly. Yes, I tell people, enjoy. If life's really good right now, enjoy it. Because don't worry, it'll get bad again soon. Don't worry. <laughs> but enjoy those times of peace where you're like, I can't believe how good everything is going. Don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. There's stuff ahead. But when you face that, God's grace is going to come in at the perfect moment, in the perfect level, at the perfect amount. You need it just the way you need it. And you just got to reach out and grab it. Amen. And that is honestly one of the biggest stumbling blocks that I see for myself. And also like I do coaching, I work with people and I literally was just voice messaging with a coaching client telling her you're getting ahead of yourself. Mm -hmm. You have impending doom over what may or may not happen. You have Jesus. Like that is the way of the world. That is their curse is fear of what's coming next because they don't know the one who knows it. Like we know the one who knows what comes next and it, that doesn't mean it won't suck. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like the necessary tagline you have to put on it is like, yeah, it's probably going to be hard, but God. Yeah. That's that verse in Acts. I wish wasn't in there. It says, and we went teaching them through much suffering. We enter the kingdom of God. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah, I wish, I wish it said through much Krispy Kreme. We enter the kingdom of God, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> so you're getting to tell this story through your book. And now you're a teaching pastor. And you have multiple books. How did you get to that point? Like you go through all this crazy. What in you was like, I want to tell this story so that other people can connect the dots. Well, I've learned that writing is prayer for me. Mm. So when I'm trying to sort through something in my head, there was a season in my life where I could drop to my knees and pray for an hour. And I mean, it was a really important season where I just really dove into prayer. I just, first of all, I got a seven-year-old now. So I can't, it's not happening, man. Yep. So, <laughs> but what I have found is when, when I feel like the Lord is kind of like saying, you need to work through something or maybe some forgiveness I need to deal with or something. Writing is how I do it nowadays. Yeah. And a few years ago, I, I just started thinking, well, I did, I would always do this coaching thing with my other you know, clients, kind of helping them find their mission and their message. Cause that's the end goal of everything God's doing is to give you a mission and message. And I was like, huh, what was the most hard season of my life? And I immediately went, Mexico, right? Now, since then, last year was the hardest season of my life, but right. the book was already written by then. So yeah, I went back and I was like, what, what did I get from that? Like something good had to have come from that. And as I began to look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this and that. And I connected the dots of that. And through that, I learned this. It was in Mexico. I first started writing. I wanted to write a book, ironically, on perspective, which I had none at the time, but here's the book now. And it, it's yeah. a book God was working in me. I, I knew there was something about perspective in there, but I didn't have any. But now looking back, I say, wow, God was preparing me to write this book through that season. And it just, it ties it again. It connects the dots. Right. If we keep harping on that word over and again, <laughs> but it really does connect the dots and you go, golly, man, the Lord is so amazing in just he knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and he gives you the grace to get through it right when you're there. 
So that's what caused it. It was, it was a prayer. It was really an effort of prayer to kind of make sense of something. Do you think that there are dots that we won't connect until like glory? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I think about, I joke about it all the time. I'm like, you know, we always say one day, Lord, we're going to get before the Lord and you will be like, yeah, what well, you got some explaining to do Lord, but all indications are when we get before the Lord, we're going to drop to our face and go true and just were your judgments. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it says right. in revelation. So I know there's some stuff that we're not going to get. We're not going to understand until we get to the other side of the space time continuum, but we're going to go true and just you were on the on point Lord. Yeah. Like I think we'll gain understanding and like yeah. your, that word perspective. I think that excites me because there are things, there are things in my life that I have done the therapy. I have healed from the trauma and the tragedy. And if I'm being honest, and maybe this will come as I age, but I can look back at them and go, I still have no idea what that was about. There are things that I can. I look back and they were so hard and so dark. And God, you know, you get that lightning bolt of, oh my gosh, this is what God was doing. (gasps) Like you're saying, I can build a retreat center. Like that, that is such a gift. But there, I think there are people walking around that the dots don't, some dots don't connect. Yeah. And for me, it's the piece of knowing that like when I am in front of God, the dots will connect and like the dots won't matter as much. Yeah. Says right now we see through a glass darkly. We've got this veil right. over, it and we're, but once it's removed, it's just going to be so much clarity. It's going to be jolting. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the beauty of it. I think is if we can learn right now to trust that at some point it's going to make that really God really is working all things together for the good of those who love Him, for those who are called according to His purpose. That can bring us a tremendous amount of peace, confidence, even when life doesn't make sense. Yeah, right now you go. I don't know what's going on here, but that's all right. Onward through the fog. Yeah. And the fog will lift at some point. Right. I really think, uh, this is what I'm convinced of. I think there's a lot of things that we will be able to make sense, we can make sense of right now on earth if we'll just take the time to slow down and process it a little bit. But most of the time we just keep charging ahead, you know, yeah. got to get back to where I started from or whatever it is. So I, that's one of my prayers for the, with the specific with this book is that people are going to look back and go, oh my goodness. I didn't even see right. his hand guiding, but he was working behind the scenes, working all things together for good. And I think there's a lot you can see even right now in God's purposes and plans for your life, even in the bad stuff. Oh, I completely agree. And I think what's a really cool experience is as you grow and as you go through those difficult times, this last year was a hard year for me too. And I can remember there being a point in the midst of it being really chaotic having that moment of truly believing God's doing something. I don't know what it is, but he's doing something. And that was the first time in my 33 years of life that I thought that in the midst of it, not on the back end of it. Yeah. And it's all of the stuff that had happened before had cultivated and grown. It grows your faith to a point where you can be in the midst of it and go, I mean, this this isn't great. I wouldn't choose this. But I do still believe God is good in doing something. That's where I'm convinced too that as we do this, everything he's building in us gives us a mission and a message. There's a specific mission he's given you. There's a problem that you're going to be able to help solve. And that's where I tell people, if you'll, if you'll keep your perspective in this, your survival story will probably become someone else's survival manual. 
Mm. He's going to put people in your life that went through similar things. And you're going to say, yours is different, but here's the things that I learned about God through that. And they go, oh, I'm not alone in this. Yes. And that's the beauty of it is so much of it is, is really for the purposes of, you know, Joseph thrown in prison, thrown in a pit, sold by his brothers. Thrown in prison. And at the end he goes, Hey, don't freak out guys. His brothers show up. They're afraid he's going to get revenge. He's like, no, no, no. God was doing all this. He sent me ahead of you. Right. And oftentimes God sends us ahead to rescue the very people who tried to do us harm. It's a wildest thing. It is. It yeah. really is. But I think the more I learn about God and this kind of stuff, the more I realize I have no capacity to understand his sovereignty. So I'm just going to not not try to, but I'm not going to overcomplicate it. Like he mm -hmm. is good. He is in charge. He is in control. Is that enough? Is that enough for us? That's a hard question to answer. Yeah. And sometimes you have to not fake it till you make it, but respond like you really believe it. Yeah. I always, the like picture that I give is that scene in Indiana Jones where he throws, like he has to walk across the bridge. Yes. And then he throws the pebbles out for the people that are going to come after him. Like sometimes you have to take that really scary step into the abyss and God's going to catch you. And then you get to like, Leave some pebbles behind for everybody else. That's a great example. It, it, you know, the first person through the wall usually gets the bloodiest and exactly. incurs the most, but then they create a path for everyone else. Amen. Tell people where they can find you, keep up with you online, connect with you, everything. Yeah. So it's um, joelmalm.com, J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M.com. It has access to all the outdoor adventure stuff I lead. We didn't really talk about that, but I do outdoor adventure trips. Sorry. There was so much to talk about. The book stuff. Version, there's a bunch of version devotionals I've written as well. So if you go to the version Bible app, you can just put my name in, J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M, and there's resources there. I send out every Monday, I send out an email. So if you want to sign up for that, it's a short little thing I send out yeah. every Monday, encouragement. But there's that, then yeah, there's podcasts, I do them dad, but all that's on joelmalm.com. Perfect. We love a landing spot. Thank you so much. This is such a great conversation. Thank you. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.